Well, hey, good morning. Excited to be here today. Aha, all right, come on now. Well, man, we are so, uh, again, it's a bittersweet Sunday for us. And uh, we're just going to spend the next three hours crying with you, if that's all right. And, uh, but man, we're so, uh, we're really humbled uh, to be on a journey with the Lord, as you all should be as well. That's really what this place is all about, is that we're at, we're at home with each other as we're on a journey with the Lord. And, uh, and so that's, that's good. But as before, we, uh, before I preach for the next two and a half hours, um, I just wanted, I wanted to give Connie a chance to a nap. Uh, say hi and, and as we go on. So um, yeah, it's a good one for that. Yeah, I think we were just going to take a moment to say thank you to all of you. We have so much enjoyed um, just serving Jesus alongside of you, um, learning from you. Um, we've gotten good friends, and um, we're excited to watch you guys from afar, you know, and cheer you on. You guys are definitely the church. This is running because of you guys. This church is moving forward. Jesus is working through each and every one of you, and we're just so excited to be a part of that. Yeah, we are. For sure. And so we uh, just, you know, before we get going, just really want to say thanks to uh, you all uh, Mm -hmm. for giving us this big opportunity. Um, uh, We weren't sure if, you know, you really, when you hired a bunch of 28-year-olds to run the church, you weren't sure if it was going to (laughs) work or if it was going to burn down, either one. Like, it was either going to... It was risky. It was risky. And and so we want to thank you for trusting us Mm -hmm. uh, to be stewards of this place and uh, to be a part of that team. And we really want to thank the elders uh, for, being, for being who you are. Um, you guys really are, uh, you're trusting the Lord, and you guys have been gracious to us. And uh, so, so you guys are really being pastored by some great people. Um, uh, and you're going to be pastored by great people as we, uh, as we uh, go on from here as well. So yeah. um, anything else as we continue just to cry for this yeah. <laughs> little bit for it? No, we love you guys. All right, love Enjoy you guys. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's grab our Bibles. John chapter 20 is where we're going to get there in a little bit. Uh, we're going to be page number 901 together. And as we, uh, as, as we uh, uh, get going here, just a couple community life updates. Number one, if this is your first week, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> you're like, what's the deal? What's the deal? Um, but, uh, you know, last week, obviously, if you hadn't heard yet, uh, Connie and I communicated with the, along with the elders that this is going to be our last Sunday here with the church. And, um, and the Lord's been doing a great work, both in the church, both in us, and we're, we're journeying through that together in a really great way. This is really healthy relationally. It's really in a great spot. Seriously, I'm really, like, so pumped about where the Lord has everything right now. And what we wanted to say, um, just, you know, just in terms of clarity, there's always a lot of questions that come up in different places. Again, the, the people, you know, the, the, there's many great things. Everyone, the major, one of the major responses that we're getting is, I can't believe, um, uh, I can't believe how uh, healthy we are. Like, that's what, they're like, we just feel like there's a foundation here that we can work on. And there's a sense of peace. And whenever the Lord's working, remember, Genesis chapter 1, God creates order right? He uses words to create order. He orders chaos. So if you feel chaotic, which that happens, um, that's often what the Lord is going to continue to work on. But here over the last couple of weeks, as we've been communicating this news, there's been a deep sense of peace, not like in a mental level, but at a heart level. 
And that's because the Lord's been working in our church for years on a lot of this stuff. And so, man, we're so excited about that. I want to speak to the kind of the rapid nature of it um, real fast. Is I just want to let you know, number one, I didn't get fired. Um, just, okay. Uh, whew, right, can we just say that out loud? Um, everyone's like, my word, what happened? Um, I didn't get fired. And number two, I'm, I didn't quit like in two weeks. Like I didn't give a two-week notice. That would be a terrible thing to do at a church. Um, I didn't give a two-week notice. And um, what, we did, what we did is essentially gave a, a whole summer. We said, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll work until the end of the summer, um, and then we'll just go through this journey together. And it was through an understanding of all the different uh, things that needed to happen that we came to this date. Um, and that we came to this date. It was a very healthy way we came to it. No one fought. Um, you talk to any of the elder in the room, you talk to anyone that was there, no one was fighting about it. We were just having a great conversation about what the best thing is for this community of people. First Peter 5 says we need to shepherd the flock that's among us, not shepherd someone else's flock. We need to shepherd this one. And, uh, and so the Lord, you know, just kind of working in that and said, hey, this is probably going to be the best date for that. And we both came to that relational, you know, really relational agreement on that. So um, just, can we just get that off our chest so we don't have to cause any unnecessary drama? Can we give it an amen? Come on now, someone, yeah? No unhealthy, no unhealthiness, no weirdness, right? We don't want to be a bunch of weird Christians in a church, right? We don't want to do that. We committed to that. I committed to that when I was like 14. We don't want to be weird. And I don't want to be weird with you guys. There's right? no drama today. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't just up and quit, and the elders didn't fire me. It was a really great relational moment where we came together and allowed the Lord to guide our church, and uh, that's where we're at today. And you can thank the elders for that as much as anybody else. So you can, when you see them and you engage with them, um, you can really put your trust in the fact that they're they're hearing from the Lord and they're helping people take steps in that. All right. Um, also, uh, we do want to let you know continuously that John Gwynn, John, where are you? Um, is in our, yep, he is in our elder response time. We want to add him to the board. Um, well, not we, you guys want to add him to the board. Um, and uh, so make sure you're continuing to send in those responses and that'll be good. All right, John chapter 20. We're going to get there in a little bit, but I wanted to talk to you today about navigating the new. Navigating the new. Can someone, let's say that together. Navigating the new. Um, and it's not, it's a pastoral uh, no, as much as it is a prophetic one, I really do believe the Lord wants to address this in our church together today. And he wants us to have an eyesight over the next season with this set of lenses on. that we need to navigate the new together. And I just wanted to let you know up front um, uh, that I told the, the production team that I do not have a timer today. And so we might be here until like three o'clock. And that's, that's, and that's I mean, that's what we're going to do today. But we're going to navigate the new. And that's what I think, as much as it is for us, uh, for, for, for the Lemoy family navigating that, I think it is for Community Covenant. And I think that's what the Lord wants to help us do, is navigate the new. New is always going to do something in you. New is always going to require something different of you. New is always going to bring you to places that you've never been before. You can't go to some place that you've been before and say, oh, this is new. No, it's not new if you've been there before. You can't go into new seasons if you've had this season before. It's kind of like uh, the old one. Newness is exactly what the word means. It's new, and Jesus wants you to have a new season, and he wants us to have a new season. He wants his people to have a new season. He describes this with you when he meets you for the first time. He says, you've become a new creation. 
there's a sense of newness and aliveness when it comes to the resurrection. Many times we look forward to the new, but really what the new is, is really just an upgrade of the old sometimes. We say, oh, we're looking forward to this new car. What are you getting? A Nissan Pathfinder. What did you have before? A Nissan Nissan Pathfinder. (laughs) Uh, Has anyone ever switched um, cell phone platforms before? Did you ever go from like an iPhone to an Android? Yeah, right. And and you're lucky to be alive at this moment, right? Right? You're like you're like, how do I even use this thing? Like, like it's like I, I need. It's like I just went to France and tried to speak to somebody. Um, like, have you ever have you ever gone to like uh, if you've been in, maybe you've traveled before and you've had to drive on the wrong side of the road before and you're like for no like no reason you just drive into the other lane right it's just because new is going to cause you all sorts of new experience all sorts of angst and all sorts of differences new is exactly what it is but here's the thing is a lot of times we think something is new but it's really just the upgrade of the old and for us as humans. What we can do, the best we can do, is not new, but it's a, it's a process towards it. We can be a part of the process, but we can't truly create anything new. We can change, and we can you know, kind of uh, maneuver the, the tables around or change the, the, the chairs on the deck some around. We can change, but we can't truly create new, because new is something only God can do. To something, for something to be true and fundamentally new. Right here in the midst of this one, it's only God that can do that. We set out as a church last year to become an only God church. And so we are about new. We're about people meeting Jesus for the first time and becoming new. We're about people taking steps in our region so our region can become new. We're people taking steps towards Christ so that we can continuously become renewed. We are people of the new. And that's what Jesus' announcement is. His whole life was based off this idea that, that, that we can have a brand new life right here in the midst of this one. New is something only God can do. If you go to the next slide there, Audrey. And so what we have to do is begin to say, well, but why does new feel chaotic, right? Doesn't new feel a little crazy? Anyone feel a little chaos this morning? There is a, uh, there is a, a sociologist, his name was, um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name, some German guy, doesn't matter. Um, uh, here it is, Emil Durkheim. And uh, in case you wanted to know that, um, he was one of the, the leading, uh, he was one of the leading uh, thought uh, creators of sociology. I, he died like over 100 years ago. But he had an entire idea when he studied society, when he studied community, that the whole idea wasn't just about the relationships that we build, but about the infrastructure that we sit on. And so it wasn't just about the relationships that we have, our social interaction with each other, but about social facts. And as the social facts informed us, and how we interacted, we would begin to see a healthy, and uh, we'd begin to experience solidarity together as a community, the more that infrastructure was strong. 
But what begins to happen in, in history, what begins to happen in different times of our life, what begins to happen in different communities at different times is that background facts become foreground decisions. Things that we would have never expected that we needed to make a decision on come to the foreground of our brain and we need to begin asking questions, having discussions, and making decisions. Do, are we tracking so far? You're like, this is the worst last sermon ever. Um, but background facts become foreground decisions. So, so, so let me give you an example. About 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, boys and girls didn't have to make a decision about whether they were a boy or a girl, right? And so, so you have all, of, all sorts of things happening right now where, 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 where boys and girls are having to make this decision regarding something that was always operating in the background, right? There's all sorts of different things happening socially about this as well, but there's, it happens for you in your life. You didn't, you didn't have to think about how to interact with your kids until, and then when they went off to college, all of a sudden, you have to figure out how to have a relationship with them. And that happens in middle school. It happens in high school. It happens as they grow up. Um, as, you, as you experience newness in, into, a, into high school for some reason, as you go into high school, you go into college, like there's this whole set of things, this new infrastructure. You have, to make, you have to make decisions about things, and guess what? Your brain gets tired. Your brain is designed to not burn calories. Did we know this? Like, it's called the caveman test, like the grunt test. That's how marketers actually like, test if it's simple enough. Can you grunt it out? Imagine that, it's scientific, nice and deep. Because your brain says, no, I don't want to work very hard. And so a lot of times what we do in life is we dismiss things out of, in fr- out of our face. We get things out of our face because we don't want to make decisions about things that we, wanna, that we already have facts about. This is why new can be so challenging. When new comes, it brings all of these decisions to our forefront. I can make a decision right now. I can either be dramatic or I can be helpful. Or I can take the facts of my life and I can either do something or I can be paralyzed. I can take all of these decisions about what is happening in my world and I can either do something about it or I can stick with something that might be old. It's really difficult to navigate the new but I think that's exactly what Jesus is asking us to do as his people. His people always are going to be navigating the new, our whole new developing country, our whole new developing family system, our whole new developing person, our whole new developing world. God is asking us to navigate with him at the center. And so, so there's this really cool text. We read it last week, and I really think it's a word for us as a church. And it's Isaiah 43. It says this. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the sea, who carves a path through pounding waves. This, I, this part right here is talking about the Red Sea. He's, talking, he's bringing to mind when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea um, and they were brought out of Egypt. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you because I provided water in the desert, rivers through the sun-baked earth, and drinking water for the people I chose, the people I made especially for myself a people custom made to praise me. And so just four little things this morning about how to navigate the new from Isaiah 43. Number one, if you want to navigate the new, you got to forget the past. 
You got to forget the past. Look what it says right up front. I go to the next slide. This is what God says, the God who builds a road right through the sea, who carves a path through pounding waves. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Let me just tell you how crazy this paragraph is. For the Israelites, the crossing of the Red Sea was their salvation moment. Being brought out of Egypt, and they get to the, the shore of the Red Sea, and there's no path. There's nothing. And so what they got is the entire army of Egypt coming, you got the entire nation of Israel, and you got a big sea with no path. And so what hap- what's the only thing that can happen? God parts the Red Sea so that they can make their way through. And then you know what he says here in Isaiah 43? Forget it. Forget about it. Because you don't even know it's coming next. That is nuts in the Old Testament. That is crazy. And so what we have to do as people of God today, we have to sit there and think, okay, God, all the times that you showed up in my life before, he said, no, no, you haven't even seen anything yet. You haven't even seen anything yet. I loved it. The other day I was eating ice cream with Channing. And Channing is like, he goes, Dad, look, look. He's like, look, at, there's like a car, a thing of flowers, and like a picnic table. And I was like, something good is coming here. I don't know. I don't know what's coming. He's just, Dad, look, look, look. I said, what is it, buddy? What do you, look, look, look. What is, well, what is it? I don't know. I forgot. All right, sweet. Sounds good. Like, let's keep it going here. Let's keep down in this ice cream. Okay, cool. But I just love this. He was like laughing about it. He's like, look, look. I think he was pointing to the flowers, but I mean, whatever. Um, but like, like you, you see there's like a sense of this. Like, look, look, look. And he's, but I want you to forget about the past. Look, sometimes in life, we are literally trying to recreate our life from the time that we felt most comfortable. And we literally have our life in paralysis. We're living the same day over and over and over again because we're trying to recreate something that no longer exists. You are stuck, not because of anything that God wants to do, but because of what you're trying to do for your own life. And he's saying, I want you to forget about it. Don't try to recreate where you came from. Don't try to do what you did. Don't try to, see, what I did back then, I'm not going to do, I'm going to do something new. And you've never been there before. You've never experienced it before. You've never engaged with it before. And that, I think that happens in churches all the time. You say, you know what? I'm not going to be happy until this place feels like it did before. Or I'm going to keep being mad about the same thing. It's been like 12 years, but I'm going to keep being mad about it until I hear a different answer. I've been hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, but I'm just going to keep being mad about it until someone tells me something different, which might not be the truth, but at least it would be different to me. It sounds crazy, but it's what we do as humans. He says, I want you to forget about the past. This moment was the, the centering moment for Israel. It's like someone coming in here and say today, hey, you remember the cross? Forget about it. Something greater is coming. And you'd be like, what? You know what? It's true. Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to fully restore everything. Something greater is coming. And something's greater coming, something greater is coming for you. But you keep trying to recreate. Oh, everything was comfortable there. Everything was good there. Everything felt fine there. 
We do this too when we look at somebody else and we want their gifts or we want their life and we compare ourselves to the other person. I want you to forget about that. Don't keep mulling over old history is what he says. I want you to pursue the new. Are we tracking this morning? And that's what I think he wants us to do as a church. How we navigate the news, we forget about the past. You know what he doesn't say? He does not say, I want you to dishonor the past. Ouch, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm preaching. Someone's listening. That's right. At least one person's listening. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's Pentecostal preaching right there. Uh-oh. That's true. Uh-oh, it is. He says, I, I want you to forget about the past, but I don't want you to dishonor the past. I want you to honor it. I want you to honor the past. I want you to ascribe the worth to it. But the past doesn't need to make your future decisions for you. You learn from it. But you need to make decisions about the new as you navigate the new. We can honor that all day long but we move ahead to what Jesus has for us. So in order to navigate the new, we gotta forget the past. Number two, in order to navigate the new, we have to search for the new. We have to search for the new. Look at what it says in verse 19. It says this, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? What is this language? It's a resurrection language. It's bursting forth. Every moment of our life is brimming with redemptive potential. Everything is just right. It's right underneath the surface that God wants to break it forth right here in the midst of this one. Resurrection is this new in the midst of this current life. Jesus resurrected to defeat death, but he looked completely the same. He did all the same things. He just did it as a resurrected person. And it's just, you know, I, I, just, I, I, got, I have to look for the new. What if your life literally centered on the idea that you were looking for the resurrection? You were looking for the good news. I, I tell you what, our whole world is centered on looking for the bad news. Our whole world is centered on looking for the bad news. When you, there's, a, there's a, an old uh, news anchor that talked about it this way. He said, they asked him, like, why in the world did you, why in the world is there there always bad news on TV? He said, I just wish there was some good news that we could report. He goes, I don't. I don't. Why? Because the only reason it's news is because it's bad. The reason why good news isn't news is because good, more good happens in the world than bad. Good is consistent. Good is there. And we have to report the bad news because it's the only thing that interrupts the good. When it's flipped over, when it's flipped over, now we got something to worry about. Like, hey, something good happened today. Woo, yeah, sweet. No, no, no. 95, 80, no, 99% of the world is God's good creation pulsing in and out and something bad interrupts it. It makes the news, right? A search for the new. This is where the story comes in. If you go to your Bibles in John 20, go to your Bibles in John 20. And this is what, I think this is the picture that community covenant needs to hold on to together. This is what you guys need to hold on to together. It's this concept in John 20. It says this. 
Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They both were running. But other, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that. That's John. He's like, hey, by the way, I beat Peter. Just want to let you know. Um, he, stu- he stooped and looked in the, and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived and went right inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. And then he went home. This concept that Mary, right? I love this. The first, the first herald of the resurrection is this woman. Yes. Come on now. Mary, the herald of Jesus, right, runs back. And what do they do? They get together and they run to see the resurrection. We need to be people that run together to go see the good news. We got to be people that run together, that see the good news. But then Mary is found there, standing outside the tomb, it says in verse 11. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. I just picture this, you know, the guys go home. Mary's there, probably feeling pretty confused, feeling completely disheveled. This is new. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head of the other, the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there as Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Why are you, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener, which is awesome because Genesis 1. Come on now. She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out. Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. What I love about Mary is I think this is what Mary's major question was. Hey, gardener, can you put everything back together the way that it was? Say, hey, just tell me where he goes. I'll just come back. I'll put him back. (laughs) Like you took him. Just tell me where he is. I'm going to put it back. I'm just going to put everything back the same way that it was, and it'll feel better, right? I just need to take all my foreground questions, and I need to make them background facts again. I just want to put them all back together again. I just want to put everything right here and not touch anything. And what is Jesus' answer? It's not, I'm going to go get him. It's not, hey, I'm going to put everything back together for you. It's, here I am. Now that doesn't solve our problems. That doesn't change anything maybe. It might not do anything crazy. But our new and our answer 
is found in our pursuit of Jesus. And that's it. You find him. You fix your eyes on him. And that's where the new will come. So we got to navigate the new. We have to search for the new. Stay alert. Don't sit back into your humanity. Remember, Jesus doesn't work the way that we do. Don't sit back into your humanity and be like, well, I thought, I thought the strategy would be different. I thought the email would come sooner. I thought this would happen when that would happen, and I thought this person was going to do this, and I had all these preconceived notions about what new was going to be like, and guess what? God completely took everything and made it different. And in our humanity, we'll say, all right, let me get angry now. He says, no, I want you to search for the new. And you know what? The moment you're going to realize it's new is when you're like, oh, man, this is new. That's the moment you're going to realize it's new. And you say, God, put everything back together the way that it was. He says, no, no, no. Here I am. Here I am. You want peace? Come find me. You want peace? Come find me. Walk with me. Let me walk with you. And no matter what you're going to do, no matter where you go, you're going to have that same level of peace. You've got to search for the new. The resurrection is the center of who we are. You're going to have a whole new way of life, but it's going to be new. We've got to trust him in that. That brings us to point number three. Navigating the new is going to lead us to forget the past, search for the new, and trust his provision. Again, Here's the thing. Here's what we do as good humans, especially good Americans. We strategize everything to death. And if something doesn't happen outside, if something happens outside of that strategy, all of a sudden we're like, well, that must be not be of God. Why? Because we didn't have it in our seven-year plan. So, no, no, no. I want you to trust my provision. I'm going to provide. This is what he says, Isaiah 43. It says, I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. You know, what don't, you, know what, you know what doesn't exist in the desert? Roads. And you know what it doesn't exist in badlands or wastelands? Rivers. Because he's going to create things that only he can create. And so you want to have a really awesome God story? You want to have an only God story? Navigate the new. Have complete, you, you know, we, I, we haven't worshiped God like this in probably months, maybe. Why? Because for all of us, our complete dependence is on Jesus right now. That's it. Say, all right, God, you're leading us. And that means you, when your dependence is solely on him, you ask God. Say, God, help me grow my faith. Help my dependence be on you. Ask that, but don't ask it until you're ready to ask it. Because he will absolutely Grow your trust in him. But it's going to be by taking out the things that you're dependent on. Your dependency fully on Christ will lead you to worship him from, from, from all that you are. Talk to anyone who's gone through anything hard, any hard situation, health-wise, anything hard in their family, anything hard, they will, tr- they will get you to the point where they'll see that. This is where the only God story comes in. He will provide a pathway and he will provide the resources that you need. So I don't know where you're at in life right now, because not all of this is about the church. It's about you, because you are the church. 
I don't think, I think there's someone who needs to hear today. As you navigate the new, he's going to give you a pathway and he's going to give you resources to do it. He's going to do that. And we've got to trust him for it. We are good, we, uh, you know, Martin Luther said it best, Mark Batterson said it again. We've got to work like it depends on us, but we've got to pray like it depends on God. And when we pray, we're trusting his provision, his pathway, his resources. His pathway, his resources. If his pathway and his resources interrupt our pathway and our resources, we submit. We submit. I do want to say this real fast too. And I, I, uh, this is John 14. It says it this way, in a really good way. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. Again, someone need to hear that today, like every day. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. For the longest time in my life, I always thought, okay, I can't wait till, till I get to heaven one day. Then I realized heaven is invading earth. And I love this passage. Because not only is he providing, providing and preparing a place for us to be for eternity, he's always making space for you here. And he's looking for places for you here. He wants to make room for you here. And he's going to come get you. He says, man, I'm making a room for you right now. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm getting it done. Don't you see it? Be alert. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Don't be human when it just comes with all the stuff that you normally dictate your life with. No, I want you to trust me. I'm coming back with a pathway. I'm coming back with the resources. I'm coming back to get you because I'm preparing the place for you. And you're going to see a whole new life right here in the midst of this one. He gives us resources too. And just remember our structure as a church, right? We're elder-governed, staff-led, volunteer-operated. Elder governor, staff led, volunteer operator. What we believe is that God has asked a certain group of people, right, to, to help be a part of the leadership the next three to five years called elders, right? And then the staff, they implement what the elders have, have, have determined and discerned. And then our volunteer, you guys, primarily you, is like 180 of you that do this every, throughout the year. You guys help bring that to fruition. You're the ministers that bring that to fruition, and I just want to say, can we be really awesome church members for the elders? Can we do that? Right? Can we just be really good at that? Here's what Hebrews 13 says about this. It just says it in the Bible. That's what I love. It. I'm not going to say this to you from Brandon's heart. The writer of Hebrews is going to say it from their heart. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Do we do that? Do we allege his name? All right? Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. Can we do that too? These are the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. If, if you make this really difficult, it doesn't do anyone, ever, anyone any good. He says, but if you, if you can trust them, because man, I tell you what, they're doing their best and all of them have full-time jobs. And they're gonna search after God's heart 
on your behalf. And they're praying for you. And they are literally going to the throne for you. And they are literally trying to figure out the pathway and the resources to help make this place the flourishing place that God wants to do. We're getting ready to come up on a 50-year anniversary for this place. 50 years. You know what he wants to do? Another 50. And he wants to do it through you. And so what he's doing, he's going to give these, people, these, these men and women an incredible opportunity to help lead the church. And he says, can you just please do this? Can you, can you like their work is to watch over your souls. Like, no big deal. And you're part-time while you're like not doing anything, can you just like watch over a few hundred people's souls? I'm like, yeah, sure. And they are accountable to God. (laughs) Just to make it that much more difficult, they're not accountable to you, they're accountable to God. Like, okay, sounds good. And it would be really awesome if you made this experience then joyful. So here's what you do. I want to make this joyful, and I can say this because I'll be an elder for about another hour. Hey, how are you? Can I do anything to help you? That's how you make this a joyful experience for our entire church. What can I do to help? You know, Jesus asked that question multiple times in the the Gospels. Hey, what can I do to help? This is crazy. What can I do to help? This is, is, like, I'm blown away. I'm so excited about what's coming. What can I do to help? You want to become a church that overflows with thankfulness and joy? Ask the Jesus question. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? They love you, and they're working on your behalf. Love them in the midst of that. Can we do that as a church? Can we do, can we do that? All right, if not, I'm going to come yell at you really hard. Like through video, and Facebook, and like all the things that I talked about there in all due respect, I'm going to like throw it out and, and like yell at you all on Facebook. Just kidding, I won't do that. But I do trust that we are a mature church now. And we can handle whatever Jesus asks us to walk through. Amen? All right. So we have to trust his provision. Not our provision, not our strategy. His provision, his strategy. And the last thing we have to do, if we want to navigate the new, is glorify God. We have to glorify God. Here's what it says, Isaiah 43 says this, Wild animals will even say thank you because I provided water in the desert. Who provided it? God did. Not you. God did. Rivers through the sun-baked earth. Drinking water for the people I chose. He wants to refresh you. Everything he's going to do to get you into the new is to refresh you. He's refreshing you. He's helping you. He's changing you. He's creating through you. He wants to do it in you so that you can do it into the world. And so all of this is done by God. All of this is done so that we can glorify God. All of this is done so that we can praise him. He says, the people I made especially for myself and a people custom made to praise me. You have been custom made to praise God. And when we sacrifice our praise on the altar of something else, when we say, you know what, I'm not going to praise, I'm going to complain. Or when I'm not going to praise, I'm going to begrudge. When I'm going to, I'm, I'm, going, I'm not going to complain. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of that, I'm going to throw it over here. And I'm going to, I want to praise. We become people of praise, people of glory, people that glorify God. When people do that, it says, when he says, when you trust me, your paths are straight. And so we want to do that together. When you're navigating the new in your life, 
If it's not to God's glory, you're going to feel a mess, chaotic. You're still going to feel a mess and chaotic. It's just going to be much worse. It might lead you to a place that is chaotic. He said, I want you to glorify me. This is why this is all happening, so that I can get the glory, so that people can see that I am the source of salvation, so that people can see that I am trustworthy. Gosh, you're not coming here, guys, to come here just to be a part of a, a, a country club. You are a part of an establishment that's saying that God is the, so- the sovereign creator over all things. And there's, there's, that there's joy in him. When you live life the way that he said it's possible to live, like you're actually going to see joy, the, the, the joy you were meant for. You're gonna see new things take place. You're gonna see people change. You're gonna see things completely break apart and resurrection take place for his glory. Not for your glory, but for his glory. And the cool thing is he promises your joy in the midst of that. And so today, do we exist for that? Do we exist for that? See, here's, here's the thing is, when we don't forget the past, we try to cre- recreate the past. That's not what he wants. Some of, some of you are hoping that you can put Jesus back in the tomb. I just, that's a, some of you are hoping for that. And he says, no, I'm out. I am out of the tomb and I'm doing something new. Whether you're watching online, whether you are here, you're saying, man, I want Community Covenant to be the place that it was. No, no, no. Forget the past, man. You know, that's not even gonna be anything compared to where we're going. And you have a decision to make. You can either say, I want that, or I'll just keep it the way that I want it to. And then I'm going to, maybe I'll find another church and it's not going to be the same anyway. (laughs) No. Forget the past, man. There's nothing, no comparison to what I'm going to do in the future. He says, no, you know what I want you? I want you to trust my provision. Keep searching for the new. And you'll see I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide a pathway. I'm going to provide resources. I'm going to provide all of that. Why? Not for your glory. So that I can tell the world who I am. So that God can be glorified. That's why we're an only God church. That's why we follow him. That's why he's sovereign. We fall underneath. That's why we want him to lead. Because he gets the glory. It's for his name's sake that all of this happens. And so we sacrifice all we are at his feet, even when we do it begrudgingly. Oh gosh, this is so painful. This is so hard because I'm sacrificing my will for your will. You get the glory. So as we wind down here, this is what Paul says in Colossians 2 to say this. And man, this has been a theme for us for the last five years that we've journeyed together. And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as as, as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. 
then your faith will grow strong in the truth we were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. You want to see all of this happen? See Christ. See him. You are complete through your relationship with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. And so you know what's going to happen? We're going to be fine. As we take a step into whatever the Lord has for us, who's the ruler? Christ is. He's always been the senior pastor of this church. We've always just been, you know, little bubbling babies trying to find, follow after him anyway. He says, I want your roots to grow down deep. Our roots have been, been worked on and our roots are strong. And you know why? It's overflowing into thankfulness. I love this. You know what I've been hearing all the time the last couple weeks? Nothing about, like, hey, I'm going to miss you, Brandon and Connie. We're going to miss you. But all of our gaze has been up at Christ. It has been. They just said, okay, God, now what? (laughs) Okay, God, now what? I love that. You know why I love that? It's because you're a mature body of Christ. You have capacity for stuff, whether it's in your life or it's in your church or it's at work. You have capacity. And when your foreground, when your background facts become foreground decisions and you got to make decisions about stuff you never thought you had to make decisions on, Jesus is going to be there. He says, I'm not going to put me back in the tomb. (laughs) Don't do that. We're going to trust that what he's making is good together. So we've got to forget the past. We have to trust his provision as we search for the new. Let's run towards the resurrection together. Let's find it underneath the surface so that God can get the glory. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. Can we do that? Come on. Can we do that? Come on. Can we do that together? Can we do that together so that God can get the glory? Can we do that together? Come on, let's do that together. Because man, if one person, there's one person that the church rises and falls on, and that's Jesus Christ. Five years ago, three and a half years ago, when Connie and I started in this role, um, we did this thing where we walked out to the center of the church and just held the Bible up. We said, this, this church isn't going to be known for anything except for the scriptures. Jesus, our mission is going to be informed by that. Our community is going to be shaped by that. And our hearts are going to be changed by that. And so how we wanted to end today was doing the same thing. We're going to read Ephesians 3 together. So if you want to take that Bible out again and go to page number 978, Go to page number 978. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to transition down to the center of the, the aisle here. Connie's going to read the first few verses. I'm going to read the last few verses. And then we're all going to read the last section together. Um, you're not going to be able to see this on video. Uh, but what I love about this is that I don't want the last few seconds of this season to be me on a stage. I want it to be Jesus being proclaimed by the church. Um, so we're going to come down there in the middle. And... Uh, and, uh, and hang out. And then the others are going to come. They, they wanted to pray to close that off. Um, and so what we're going to do is just going to stand up and we're going to just kind of turn in together like one big old circle. If you're in the balcony, just do your best and kind of look and uh, we'll read this together. So let's transition to that. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please, don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. And when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, and power that comes from God. Now let's all read this together, verse 20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. Jesus, we come before you this morning as people of your glory. God, you are the one that is glorified in this place. You are the center of this church. You are the foundation for this church. You are the roots of this church. And God, I pray as our roots grow into your love that we can be people of fruit, we can be people of love, we can be people of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. God, I pray today that our roots, are, that are, for from our roots that are healthy in you, we can see a tree that gives life to the region. God, we are so thankful for the journey that you've put us on. And God, we bless your name today. God, we lift you high. 
as the sovereign creator of all things. We trust you and we ask God for you to make us new. God, make us the people you need us to be for your sake, for your people, for your glory, for your mission. God, we ask that you do this in only the way that you can. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we're just humbled and grateful. It's hard to find words, Lord God. We just sense your spirit here so so heavily upon us this morning, so richly upon us and in us this morning. Thank you for this incredible family. Thank you for their humility in serving you and submitting to you, desiring to pursue you, to pursue those new roads and those new rivers that you're setting out before them. We're just blessed that you would share them with us and entrust them to us and that they would so faithfully submit to this call here for these last five years. We give you thanks for the impact they've made, the foundations they've built, the lives that have begun to be changed through Christ, the growth that's happening in each one of us. Lord God, we so believe that you are preparing a path for them that is more than they could ask or imagine. And we also believe and know that you're doing the same for us, that you've prepared these last three years. You've built these roads and these rivers that we're not even seeing right now, Lord God, but we ask and we imagine and we know it's gonna be exceedingly more for them and for this great family and for this great church. We give you glory in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts as you prepare these roads before us individually and collectively, that we may be led by your Holy Spirit and empowered to be faithful in your service. Heavenly Father, I just pray for this church. I pray for the ways that you're working in us uh, collectively, but individually as well. I pray that we um, continue to seek after what you're, you're asking us to do and, and give us courage in that and, and knowing that you're in control. Um, I pray for the Lemoys as they um, go off and, and follow your will in the next season of their life. Pray for their protection and, and thank you for their service to, to your kingdom but into this church. Lord, we thank you for Lemoy's and their wonderful work here and the building and improving of the foundations uh, to, to be the ground, the fertile ground for the next chapter uh, in this ex expression of your church, Lord. We ask for your continued blessing on them and on this church as we, uh, as we move forward. Lord God, we thank you for Brandon and Connie, their family. We just pray a rich, rich blessing on their lives. I just ask everyone to extend their hands out right now and just pray a blessing on Connie and Brandon. We thank you for them. We thank you for their years here. We pray, Lord, that you will just go, go forth before them. 
create a path for them, create a path for us as the church. Put your hedge of protection around them and their family. Guide them, dear God, and guide us. Let us sink into the new that's coming and help us to embrace it. New for us, new for them. Lord, that you may be praised and that you may be honored and glorified. We just thank you, God, that you are a God. And help us, Lord, to always seek you, seek your word, and continue just to fall in love with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate a God who's creating new roads, new rivers? Amen. Amen.